Okay, everybody should have gotten like lots of sheets of paper, right? Today, uh, one of those sheets of paper. Somebody bring me all those. Dwayne, are you back there? One of you guys. You don't have to give me yours. Now you got to go get one. Okay, money motivation quiz. I want to take 45 seconds. That's not enough, but do it anyway. I want to take 45 seconds, and I want you to fill out this money motivation quiz. It's not hard. There's no right or wrong answers. You won't be graded. You won't be kicked out of the kingdom of God or this church for your answers. We want you to be honest, but uh, this is going to help you prepare for what we are doing today. So take just a few seconds and... Uh, do that. I didn't tell the sound guys, so we're going to see if they can find some music, and that's probably a bad idea, but we'll go anyway. Not a bad idea for them, it's just we upgraded to Windows 7, and we're still not used to it. Yes. You must pick one. It's about to get rocking. It's not really test taking music, but that's all right. If you're tapping your foot, that's all right. Lift your eyes, lift your eyes to the one who's reigning over us, for he has overcome. Fill the skies, fill the skies with a song as heaven sings along to glorify the sun. Some of you turning to the second page. You should be close to the second page. I know better than to stop before you're finished because y'all won't listen to me then. Keep going, keep going. If you're not out of the first column on the first page, just give it up. You won't finish. understand when you're finished add up all your a's i don't know why the c is out of order there on the back but a b c's and d's and that's going to tell you what your motivation is when it comes to money Should have offered a hundred bucks for the first person who finished. I'll do that next time. Y'all remember. 
All right, I'm giving you 30 more seconds. You got 15 seconds. If you don't finish, just count up what you've already got. Five, four, three, two, one. That was a fast 15 seconds. All right, add them up. And stick those in your blanks, and then we're going to talk about it. We're going to see how many are in each category. If your highest is A, if your highest number is A, then that means money relates to freedom. How many of you think that you're in that category, that, that when it comes to money, it gives you freedom? If you are B answers, that's security. How many of you feel like money helps you feel secure? If there's money in the bank, there's a lot of those. Uh, C answers indicate power. How many of you think you're powerful if you got a few dollars in your, in your pocket? And, and I'm not making fun of that. That's, that's very serious. In fact, if you'll take this, if you are married or if you're thinking of getting married, if you'll take this quiz with your spouse, it will help you understand a lot of the conflicts that are going on uh, in your relationship. So again, power. Let me see the power, folks. All right. And then D answers indicate money relates to love. And that means you, you like to give things. You like to use money to help others out. Let me see how many of you are in that category. Okay. Now, um, how many of you have GPSs in your cars? What is a GPS? What does that stand for? Global positioning satellite system. Okay. What does that do? It helps triangulate where you are. And then if you have the address or some place that you want to go, it tells you how far it is till you get there. Believe it or not, God has given us a GPS system when it comes to money. And it's in his word. And we're going to talk about that today. Over 50% of American families are lost financially. We just started the Lost series. We're like way behind in TV. We just bought... Uh, that was Janie's Christmas present from Caleb was um, The Lost Season 1. And we've watched like three episodes and Caleb's like on episode three now. I mean, uh, season three now. But what would it feel like to be on a deserted island thousands of miles off course? This is the whole premise of this, this show. Thousands of miles off course. Nobody even knows you're there. And you're watching these people on the show as they begin to catch the idea that nobody's coming. They don't even know where to look. They are hopelessly lost. That's where over 50% of Americans are financially. And if you think about it, finances are one area where we shouldn't be lost because, I think you'll agree with at least this statement, there is a finite amount of dollars coming into your household. Would everybody agree? Finite means that it's not endless. There's a definite number of dollars coming into your household. How many of you have a definite number of dollars coming? Okay. If there's only a certain amount coming in, this isn't rocket science. There should be less than that amount going out. But Americans don't live like that. Here's the really amazing thing to me. You can be lost financially with no money. Flat broke, you can be lost financially. Or you can be lost financially with tons of money. The dude who's making $400,000 a year but is spending $425,000 a year and paying the mortgage on a $500,000 house 
doesn't feel as rich as the woman who's making $50,000 a year, but who has decided to live on uh, $40,000 a year and has no debt. She's free. He's not. She has a grip financially. He does not. She's wise. According to the Bible, he is unwise. So let's take on this screen. I'm going to give you a quick quiz to help you figure out if you are lost. And if you want to play along, you just say you are lost. You know, so it's kind of like you might be a redneck, you know, at the end of every one of them. So if this statement is true, then you can help me with you might be lost. All right, here we go. Number one, if you spend more money than you make in a year, you are lost. If you don't know whether you are spending more money than you make in a year, you are lost. If you don't care that you might be spending more money in a year, you are definitely lost. If you owe more money on your car than your car is worth, you're lost. If you are paying the minimum monthly payment on your credit card, if you think paying the minimum on your credit card is good financial planning, Some of you will remember this. We did this years ago. If you think the credit fairy is the way to happiness, you are definitely lost. If you aren't sure you're saving enough, you're lost. If you have no method of tracking your money, you're lost. If you make financial decisions hoping that your spouse will never find out. If you hope that the IRS never finds out. You're lost. If you're not sure how you got where you are and you're not sure how to get out, you're lost. Okay, if you make financial decisions by doing any of these next statements. First, if you ask, can I afford it? What will the monthly payment be? How much can I borrow? Is it on sale? How much available equity do I have in my house? Is it cheaper to lease? Those are the wrong questions. And we've talked about this a number of times over the years at New Life. If you ask the wrong people the wrong questions, you're going to get what? The wrong answers. Instead of, can I afford it? We we should ask, should I afford it? Instead of, can I lease it? We ask, should I lease it? Instead of, can I borrow it? We ask, should I borrow it? We did this whole thing about the best question ever is to ask, what is the wise thing to do? Considering your financial past, considering your money motivation, considering everything in your past when it deals with finances, you ask, what is the wise thing to do in the future? Most of the time, the wise thing is not to borrow, lease, or spend more, or put things on the credit card. And and you're going, well, what's the big deal, Doug? You know, because everybody gets to the point, they're like, oh, preachers are going to talk about money. Well, yes, I'm going to talk about money today, but there's a reason I'm going to talk about money, and it's not because I'm trying to get yours. There's a couple of reasons why this is a big deal. And first one is on your listening guide. You cannot be a fully devoted follower of Christ and stay lost financially. You cannot be a fully devoted follower of Christ. You can't be a white hot living and breathing Christ. And and besides, Christian means little Christ. It means you are like the one you're following. You can't be like Christ and be lost financially. How do I know? Well, it's real simple. Jesus said a lot about money. In fact, Jesus said more about money than he did about prayer, faith, heaven, and hell combined. Do you realize that? Matthew 6, 21, Jesus is, is preaching to this huge crowd. People have figured out this guy's a great teacher. He teaches unlike anybody ever before. He's up on a mountain, and this is where we get the Sermon on the Mount. What a creative title. Jesus didn't give it that. Bible scholars did. So Jesus is sitting on this mountain, and he's kind of got this amphitheater going on, and he's teaching. And right in the middle of his teaching, he says, Matthew 6, 21, your heart will be where your treasure is. 
Jesus stops and he goes, you guys got to understand something. There's a principle here, and this is a life principle. And the principle says, wherever you're sending your money, your attention will follow. He's saying our emotions are tied to our money. Our emotions, our hearts will follow our money. And if we're lost financially, that means our heart is lost as well. Luke 16, 13, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The opposite of serving God is serving money. So here's the next thing on your listening guide. God knows the number one competition for your heart is money. That's why God says so much about it. This is a very big deal. Jesus doesn't need your money. Jesus doesn't want your money. Jesus doesn't ever ask for your money. What Jesus is interested in is your heart. And he knows the number one competition for your heart, especially here in America, is money. Years later, Paul, one of the New Testament writers, he wrote about half of the New Testament. He's writing letters to these churches. He traveled around all over what's known as Europe now and Asia. And he started churches. And then when he would get thrown in prison for preaching about Jesus, he would write letters. One of the churches he started, a pastor named Timothy, a young man that, that Paul trained... Um, he's writing a letter to him about how to be a better pastor. And so we're going to come to a passage where Paul is saying, here's how you're going to be a good pastor, and here's what you need to teach your church. Because there were people coming into the church saying, well, man, this church thing, this is an easy way to make money. I should just come in and start teaching, and you give me all your money. And you've seen this stuff on TV, these televangelists that just want money for nothing. Just look at me, and you'll be well. If I throw the sweat of my brow on you, you'll be great. Just give me money. You have to give me money, though, first. And Paul says, that motivation is wrong. And look what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 6. Serving God does make us very rich. And those guys would be going, yes, I knew we chose the right profession. But look what he says next. If we are satisfied. Now, this word satisfied means an inner peace, regardless of outside circumstances. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Philippians 4, 7 where it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's what I pray for people whenever tragedy hits. And, and it's this idea that regardless of what's on the outside, you are calm and content in the middle of it. So go back and it says, serving God does make us rich if we are calm and content, regardless of the circumstances, if we're content with what we have. is how the verse continues. If... Uh, if you're afraid of giving to God a portion of your income, what it means is you don't know Him. He is a loving God. And the reason He wants your money is not because He needs your money. It's because He wants your heart. And your money represents your heart. And He doesn't even ask for all of it. He could. He has a right to. He just asks for a portion. And it's the same portion for everyone. So we're all on equal footing before God. You don't know Him well if you're afraid to give. Now, um, He continues... We brought nothing into the world so we can take nothing out of it. But if we have found clothes, food and clothes, we'll be satisfied. There's that inner peace in spite of outward circumstances again. We'll be satisfied with that. Those who want to become rich bring temptation to themselves and are caught in a trap. The picture here is of a man drowning in debt as he's, as he's trying to get more and more stuff. He's just drowning in debt. Then he continues. They want... Many foolish and harmful things that ruin and destroy people. So they're chasing riches, running around, trying to get more and more riches. Nothing is ever enough. Um, and the, the love of money causes all kinds of evil. 
Some people have left the faith. They've actually left Christianity, left church because they wanted to get more money, but they have caused themselves much sorrow. Now, in this passage, there's a difference between financial freedom and being rich. What we're trying to do is get a grip on our finances so we don't feel like we are uh, um, bombarded with the bills and the bill collectors every month. If I can get a grip on my finances, there's a lot less stress in my life. And I think you probably want less stress. Am I right? If you didn't have to worry about money, would that make you feel better about life? Yes. Okay. Some of the richest people I've ever met are in Haiti. I wish you could have been there with us on that Sunday morning back in October when we went to worship. They come in and, and you're wondering, how can they be so clean and fret? The, the little girls, man, ribbons everywhere. They have more ribbons in their hair than I have hair, but that's not a lot. Um, everywhere they can put a ribbon, they put ribbon. And their clothes are immaculate. And when they come to worship, they, you can see it on their faces. We couldn't understand a word they're saying. They're, they're singing in Creole. They're preaching in Creole. And, and even though I had like this much French in college, dude, Creole, French Creole and French are not the same. And I'm just kind of... I watched them as they worshipped. And it was incredible how they sang to God. You could see it on their faces. They listened intently as the pastor preached. And he was talking about um, God has prepared. And I got this through translation, not through figuring it out. Um, he was talking about God has prepared a place for us in heaven. But then he turns around and he says, but we need to be prepared for that place. Oh, and people were getting into the sermon. They were loving it. And the reason it moved me so much is because I knew probably nine out of ten of them were going to leave that building and go home to a tent. And by a tent, I don't mean a structure with three rooms like we have with your little lights and stuff. I mean a tarp that might be eight by ten. And everywhere just about that you can put a tarp in that land, there is a tarp and there's someone living in that, calling that space home. And, and when there's rain, and by the way, we've had rain for a couple of days. That's not rain when you're in Haiti. We were there when, when a little storm came up and the water rose about three feet in the 20 minutes we were sitting there watching the water rise. That's rain. And you think about them going home to this little parcel of dirt that they call their home. And yet they have hope in God. And they're content with a tarp, Maybe two pairs of clothes, one for church and one for work. When they go to work, they'll change out of their good clothes into their work clothes. And you're thinking, they're going to go home to that, and yet they have hope. They are content regardless of the circumstances because the circumstances are bad. I've never seen anything worse. I've been across into Matamoros, Mexico, gone to where they don't have electricity, where they don't have running water. That's nothing. Those are palaces compared to what we saw in Haiti. Yet those people are content just to have clothes. Because a year ago on January 12th, when the earthquake hit, they didn't even have a tarp. Some of them are afraid to live inside because the concrete, they, they'll say, we, we don't want to be inside concrete because it makes us nervous. Kids still talk about when they hear a large truck drive down the road, what roads there are. They get scared because they hear the rumbling and they, they flash back to when the earthquake hit. I have no doubt the Haitian people, the Haitian Christians, are going to have a higher standing before God than I will because they have suffered for their faith. They have given to God sacrificially. And so they have a higher standing than I do. I have no doubt of that because they've suffered and they have learned contentment. And maybe we can learn some things from the Haitians. And really, this first one... Um, if you want to go to Haiti, it'll change your perspective on how you live here. But this first one we got to figure out, and I think the Haitians understand it, is recognize needs versus greeds. 
In this letter to Timothy, Paul is saying that wealth doesn't bring contentment. If, if your happiness in life depends on your bank account or the stuff in your house or the stuff you drive, you will never be content because what happens to that? The shiny wears off. When the shiny wears off, what do you do? You are discontent until you get something shinier and better. And we run around looking for the next thing to make us happy and we're like the little hamster on the wheel and we're going like this crazy running, running, trying to get that stuff and impress people. And then when we step off of the, the little wheel, we're exactly where we started. And some of you came into this year saying, man, at the end of 2011, I want it to be different than it was last year. But you're doing the same thing and you're going to run, 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 run. At the end of 2011, you're going to step off of that wheel and you're going to be exactly where you are right now, if not worse financially, more lost than you are right now because you're not doing things God's way. You're not following His process. And if wealth is really the key to happiness? How come rich people go to the psychiatrist more often and their suicide rate is higher? Doesn't make sense. Henry David Thoreau said, a man is wealthy in proportion to the number of things he can afford to do without. Too many people in our world know the price of everything and the value of nothing. Just because it's new and shiny doesn't mean that it's valuable. Well, Paul tells Timothy, he says, the love of money causes all kinds of evil. Don't ever misquote this. I hear it most misquoted all the time. For money causes every kind of evil. That's not what it says. It says the love of money causes all kinds. It doesn't say every kind of evil. But what it says is if you're in love with money, you're in trouble. Money's not evil. It doesn't cause evil. It's the love of money that messes things up. And it's no wonder that we have the wrong perspective about money. We go to school to learn how to earn it. We work 40 to 60 hours a week acquiring it. We commit Friday and Saturday evenings to creatively spending it. We waste countless hours worrying if we have enough of it. We daydream about how to get more of it. We wonder what we could do if we stumbled into a lot of it. Arguments are over handling it are one of the leading causes of divorce. Despair over mishandling it has caused some to commit suicide. Love of it causes many of society's crimes. The absence of it creates nightmares for every society. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, you cannot ignore the effects of money or the lack of money. So if you want to be free from that, from the love of money, free from debt and free from money pressures, then you've got to do the next step. The next step is so simple, but if you'll follow it, you'll see incredible differences in your life. And that's to get on a spending plan. Notice I didn't say budget. How many of you think budget is a dirty word? It's okay. You can tell us. This isn't flashy, it's not quick, but the only way to get a grip on your finances, to be secure financially, is to live on less. Spend less than you earn and do it for a long period of time. Spending plan is one of the best friends you can have. We've given you a basic budget today and I hope that you'll fill it out. Some of you have never seen one before. I know, I listened to you. Now, let's put that up on the screen, Mike, and let me walk through that real quickly. Here's the, the most of the page. I couldn't get everything in one uh, thing. So up there at the front, the top is income, wages paid. Most of you get the same amount of wages. Some of you work, um, you're self-employed, so you don't know exactly what your wages are going to be. But you can guesstimate pretty accurately. 
bonuses, interest income, capital gains. And, you know, some of those are going, what is that? What is that? Dividend income, miscellaneous income. Okay, when you finish, it's real simple. When you finish, you add it up. If you can't add, they have calculators nowadays. They got them for like 44 cents at Walmart, and they'll last for about six and a half days. But then you can go spend 44 cents and get another one. You add it up, and it has the, the monthly amount. At the end of the month, you add up how much came in, and it should be the same. If you, if you do more, yay for you. Then the difference between actual and budget. Okay, now you go to expenses. And you're going to look at mortgage or rent, utilities. You're going to look at all those things that you pay on a monthly basis, and you're going to put those down. You should be pretty close to what it is. Your mortgage or your rent usually doesn't fluctuate from month to month. Usually your dish network or your cell phone, maybe your cell phone fluctuates a lot. I don't know. But you put all of those expenses down. Go ahead to the next page. You come down and there's miscellaneous and there's pets and there's personal property tax. There's things like that. You figure out what your monthly expenses are. Second thing you do is you figure out those things that you pay once a year. Janie and I have certain things that we pay once a year. We pay our property taxes once a year because we don't have an escrow account. We pay those ourselves. $2,900 due at the end of this month for my property taxes. If we hadn't been setting money aside for a year, we would be in serious trouble right now. But we've got that money, so we're okay. We pay our insurance, our home insurance once a year. We pay our, our car insurance every six months. So you figure out those things and then we divide it out over the months and we figure out what needs to go. Now, at the bottom, there's a very interesting thing. Expenses subtotal and then look at net income. Income less expenses. When you, when you do those numbers, you know what you should have in that column? A positive number. If you don't, you've got two choices. You know what those two choices are? Increase your income, which is usually more difficult for us, or sell stuff, decrease your spending. Again, this is not rocket science. So you got to get on something and do it for a long time. If you'll stick to a spending plan, it doesn't make matter whether you make $20,000 or $200,000. You'll be freer next month than you are this month. If you do it for a year, I promise you, you will have moved further back from the financial ledge in the next 12 months than you are right now, and you will feel so much better. Because when you're on the edge of a cliff, aren't you worried you're going to fall off the cliff? Smart people move away from the edge of the cliff. Americans are stupid financially, and we're standing on the edge. Actually, we're hopping off. And we're just getting more credit cards to try to cover up the distance. And we just get farther and farther away from financial security. It just doesn't make sense to me. So the best plan I know, the simplest plan I know, is the 10-10-80 plan. And I'll just explain that real quickly. No matter what you do, there's two checks. And we don't even write checks now. We transfer online. So there's two transfers you should never miss. Number one, according to the Bible, with the first 10%, we're to honor God. And somebody says, I knew it. I knew it was coming. Blame God. It's in the Bible. I'll show you in the Old Testament and Malachi. I'll show you in the New Testament where Jesus talks about tithing and that is good and you should do that. I'll show you the words tithe and where he says that's good. Get mad at him, not me. Because he's the one who said the baseline for a fully devoted follower of Christ, the baseline is 10% of your income. Bible's clear. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord, giving him the first part of all your income. Because what happens if you give him the last part? There's nothing left. Second 10% is for savings. If you come to Financial Peace University, and I've got a sign-up sheet at the back, and you don't even have to sign up there. If you just write on the back of your card that you want to come to Financial Peace, what you're going to get now, and I'm going to say this, and people are going to say, I ain't coming. 
Because this box right here costs $90. Y'all going, <gasps> you get, you get uh, some, some DVDs, a couple of things there. You get all of the, the sessions on CD. You don't get the DVDs of the sessions. You get one of the most helpful things ever is a, an envelope system. See, what Janie and I have is we've got envelopes that have like our uh, gas uh, for our car. We've got it for um, toiletries. We've got it for what else do we have? groceries, all those monthly things go into an envelope. And actually we have more than one now because we can't fit everything in one envelope. And uh, you'll get that, you'll get a book and you'll get a workbook and you'll be a lifetime member where you can take FPU for the rest of your life. Here's what I've discovered. If people won't even spend 90 bucks to do FPU, they're not going to do the job. They're not going to do the work. And they're going to end up... See, we did this two years ago. And I've told you about the debt that Janie and I have, have paid off in two years. We paid our 90 bucks to buy our little thing. And then with, by the f- time we finished, we had a, uh, an, an emergency fund. I'll talk about that in just a second. And we had started paying off debt. So we had an emergency fund of $1,000 and we paid about $1,300 in debt in the three months that we took Financial Peace University. Is that worth the $90 investment? Sure it is. That just makes sense. <clears throat> So what he'll tell you to do, the first thing he'll tell you to do is to come up with a $1,000 emergency fund because you're going to have emergencies, right? The first year we had an emergency fund, our air conditioner went out. Air conditioner is only 15 years old. Who would have thought the air conditioner would go out? But we had an emergency fund and, and he said it's going to cost so much to do the whole thing or you can do this thing and you'll, you'll be almost there. And so we said do this thing because it's 800 bucks. So we had $1,000 and it was for emergency. So we wrote out the check for $800, gave it to him. We had a nice, cool house that summer. And then we built up our, um, our emergency fund as quickly as possible. Now our emergency fund is $2,000 because I just didn't like $1,000. i am like, my emergencies are bigger than most people's emergencies. So I need more money. I need a bigger buffer zone. We're adding. Yeah, I know. I know. If you've been around here, you know, I shouldn't work on things. I do all the time. And, um, uh, I just, my surgeries were related to working on the building, uh, that I've had in the last several, several weeks. But anyway, um, if we don't, if we don't have any emergencies this year, our emergency fund will be over $4,000 by the end of the year because we're just putting money in there every, uh, month. The first year we had this air condition went out. The next year we have, we also have an envelope in here that, um, for our car repair. Anybody ever have car repairs? Do you just have the cash laying around to fix your car? Last year we spent, actually I put 1500 in here, but I got to think about it. At one point we had an $1,800 bill to fix our car. Do you think that caused stress in our marriage? It did until I showed Janie how much we had in the envelope. And she went, oh. And then actually I think we had 1500 and we had to come up with 300 But is it easier to come up with 300 or 50 or 1800 which one would you stress more over? Trade it, in. Trade it in and get a car payment. I don't have a car payment and I love Bruce. And if you need a car, go see Bruce. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to, to get rid of, of cars and all that stuff, but we don't have a car payment and we don't want to have a car payment ever again. And, and, but Bruce, when I have cash, I'm going to come see you. I can't, I can't hurt our, our, our car salespeople. If you'll pay God first and pay yourself second, and live on a wise spending plan before long, you will completely remove finances as a source of stress in your life. But then you've got to do this last thing. If you do all the first stuff and then blow it on this last one, you're going to blow it. The last thing is practice delayed gratification. 
The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. So the Bible says, the Bible GPS to figuring out where you are, where you need to be. First you give to God, and then you're guaranteeing. God says, I dare you. It's the only time in Scripture God says, I dare you to trust me with your finances, and I will be personally involved in your finances in the future. God says, if you don't want to do that, you're on your own. So if you want God's supernatural provision, you begin doing things like God says. Then you pay yourself and you live on everything else. 80% goes for everything else that you have. If you can save for a motorcycle or a vacation or a paintball gun or whatever it is you like to do out of the 80%, woohoo, go for it. Don't you ever feel guilty about doing that. That's the way God designed it. Delayed gratification means I wait until I can afford something. Janie and I love to go on cruises. We're about to go on another cruise. We went on our last cruise in 2009. When I got back, we have cruise fever so bad that I began looking online. This is the way I do it. I look online. I find the absolute cheapest cruise. I don't care what cruise line it's on. I go on the cheapest cruise. I stay inside because it's dark and I like it to be dark anyway. You're not in your room that much at all. But we figured out when we could go. And we figured out how much money it was going to take us per month. So each one of us for 17 months put aside $29 each. And we have enough money. When, when we came to the deposit, we had the money there. When it came to pay the rest of the, the money three months ago when it was due, we had the money there. So we're going to come back from this cruise. And the cruise, the only thing that's going to come back with us are the memories and the pictures. No debt. Because you can slap down the credit card and you can bring back $3,000 in debt from a cruise. And be stupid. Or you can pay it in advance. That's delayed gratification. You wait till you can afford something. Just like a slow dripping faucet. I don't know if you've ever seen this because I've had lots of slow dripping faucets. If you stick a bucket under there, you'll be amazed at the end of the day how much it's filled up. If you'll save a little at a time. Janie blew me away years ago before we ever got on the financial peace thing. She would save money, and, and one day she calls me. She goes, hey, I want to go get a living room suit. And I'm like, we don't have money for that. And she goes, oh, yeah, I do. I've got a couple thousand dollars. It wasn't quite a... I was like, you do? <laughs> she said, yeah, and I've picked it out. All you got to do is come say yes or no. And I'm like, Pfft. okay, whatever you want. You got. She'd been socking money away in her little envelope. I didn't even know about it. It adds up little by little. Let's just show, Let me give you some examples. Let's start. Let's say a 25-year-old has a job that pays him $15,000 per year. I know you're going, wow, that's how can he live? But let's just say no more, no less. For 20 years, this guy gets paid $15,000. At the end of 20 years, if he stays on this 10-10-80 plan, when he's 45, he will have given $30,000 to, to the church, to God's work. If we really believe the local church is the hope of the world, anybody would feel good about giving that. And he'll have $85,000 in savings. How many 45-year-olds do you know that have eighty-five grand just sitting in their savings account? You know many? All right, let's ramp it up a little bit. Let's say that... Uh, where is the next one? Go ahead and put it on there. 45-year-old or 35-year-old starts with $30,000 per year. No more, no less for 20 years. He's going to give 10% to God. So at the end of 20 years, when he is 55... He'll have given $60,000 to God, and he'll have $171,000 in his savings. Now, I didn't say this. If he's going to put the money in some type of interest-bearing account where it gets about 10% interest, and that is possible, but you've got you to gotta have some people that are smarter than me to figure that out. All right, let's ramp it up one more time. If the, the next guy starts at 40 making $60,000 a year, no more, no less, until he's 60. By the time he's 60, he will have given $120,000 to the kingdom of God. He'll have $343,000 in savings. 
I'll just let you know. I intend to be there. That's what I want to do. And it's going to be little by little over the next... Actually, that's not 20 years. Um, I better hurry up because it's only 14 now. But I want to get there. I want to have that type of freedom. And I think you do too. Now, that's what happens when you get on a spending plan and you do it for a long time. Your money begins to work for you. And interest is a really cool thing when it's on your side. You've seen the other side of it. Get interest working for you. But the bottom line is money is really a spiritual issue. Every time you make a decision about money, you're giving away a little bit of your heart. And I'm not about to suggest that you should give all your money to church. I don't give all my money to the church. We gave, and, and there, by the way, your uh, contribution statements are out here in the living room. If you gave this last year, find yours, alphabetical order. Every year, some people open up that contribution statement and they're shocked at how little they gave to God. But there's other people that are shocked how much they gave to God. Janie and I last year gave almost three times more than we'd ever given before in a one-year span, mainly because of the whole building a great life thing and, and all that. But we're giving a greater percentage of our income today than we ever have in our life because we believe that the local church is the hope of the world. And we're investing in lives for eternity. Who cares if I drive an old car that doesn't have paint on it? I don't. If you do, that's your problem. I don't, I don't want those things in my life. I want to do things that matter. And every time you make a decision, you're giving part of your heart away. But I want to I challenge you with this. If you were to go home today and you're to find out that you lost everything, I mean everything, every bank account was closed, your house burns to the ground, somehow a tornado comes through and wipes out all of your cars, I'm willing to bet that you would fall on your knees and pray to God and say, Oh God, help me. God, you can have it all. And God's going to say, well, you don't have much to offer. That takes little sacrifice. It takes little decision. I'm just going to say, if you're going to pray, if everything is wiped out, why not invite God into your finances before that happens? Why not start to do things God's way right now? Get on this 10, 10, 80 plan and work it for a year. Try it for a year. If it doesn't work, come show me. And we'll figure out a better way for you to do it. And remember, God's interested in your heart. He doesn't want your money. He's not asking for your money. He's asking for your heart. I've seen so many people who wanted to go on mission trips, who wanted to do this, who wanted to do this, but they couldn't because they were so far in debt. God wants so much more from your life. He wants to protect you and provide for you so that you can do more with your life to impact eternity. But you can't do it if you're lost financially. Wise people get on a savings plan, a spending plan, and they save for the future. But fools waste everything. Okay, so considering your financial past, considering the things that have happened in your life, is it wise today to ignore Financial Peace University another year? Is it wise to let that go? Is it wise for you not to be on a spending plan? Is it wise for you to have 800 credit cards in your wallet? What is the wise thing for you to do today? You can't get unlost until you figure out where you are. And we're going to offer financial peace on Monday nights if people can come. If you can't come on a Monday night, you'd rather do another night, write that on your card, write that on the sign-up sheet out there. We want to offer this because it's one of the most powerful things I have ever done in my life. He has baby steps, seven baby steps. And Janie and I are on baby step number three. When we get to baby step number four, we're going to be like the 60-year-old dude that has this huge amount of savings and he's not worried about financial decisions in the future. That's where we want to be, and I think you want to go there. 
Bow your heads for just a minute. I want you just to say to God, God, what is it you want me to take from today? Do you need to recognize needs versus greeds? Do you need to get on a spending plan? Do you need to practice delayed gratification? God, what do you want me to hear? And then I want you to decide right there before God. Are you going to do things God's way or are you going to do things your way? Father, change us financially so that we can get a grip. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you take your registration cards for me? Fill that out. On the back, I always ask you to write something. So if you're interested in FPU, put that on the back. If you would like a night other than Monday nights, then write that on the back as well. But everybody can write down. What is it that you need to do? Do you need to recognize needs versus greeds? Do you need to um, get on a spending plan? Or do you need to practice delayed gratification? We have three baskets at the back. One is our joy basket. All of our regular tenders and church members, we expect you to give. If you're a guest, you walk by. We'll never ask for a dime of your money until you believe that God has brought you here and, and wants you to be a part of this uh, fellowship called New Life. We have another basket, registration card basket. And that is where you put your cards. We have a third basket we're trying to build, uh, get out of debt. It's our Building a Great Life basket. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's where it came from. Which one was that? Naked gun, two and a half, that's where that came from. I love it. Uh, we're trying to get out of debt as quickly as possible because we believe God is not done with us yet as a church. And when we get to building the new building, we want to pay cash for it. So that's why we have this whole building a great life plan. It's wet outside. And getting wetter, yeah, it sounds like it, but uh, you're dismissed. Go get wet. <laughs>